Not bitter, just better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a little bit more of a sad edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. And if you saw the game at the weekend, you'll know why it's a sad one, in, com- well, in comparison to last week's, which was buzzing because of the Man U result. Uh, Mr Johnny Seven here, as always, with quite a long intro, apparently, with Mark Mach. Yeah, I was wondering how I was going to get a go this week on the podcast. Um, I don't, I'm not sad about it, I'm just annoyed more than anything about oh, the inconsistency of late, I think. How, yeah. how come we can do it against the big teams and... Not so much the uh, the lesser team. Yeah, we'll start off there uh, looking at the Southampton game, of course. We have uh, social media section, all the Everton news, and a look ahead to the big game at the weekend against City. But as I said, starting off at, uh, down at St Mary's, bit of a hike. It was a bit of a hike, yeah. Uh, I don't envy the, the blue supporters down there after the abject performance and defeat on the, the journey back home. Um, but, yeah, as we said before, we... Uh, we threw it away, really, didn't we? We threw any chances of Champions League, uh, realistically, um, and it was a, a very disappointing day for the Blues. It seemed to be the epitome of self-destruct, because all the damage was done to ourselves, wasn't it? Literally. Yeah, but let, let's be honest, I mean, you know, we we needed Arsenal to drop points even if we won all our games, so it was still a little bit of pipe, a pipe dream, wasn't you've got it? To do your, you've got to do yeah, our you've bit, you've got to do we? your bit, and I mean... Arsenal look like they've hit form again with the return of Ramsey at the moment. They, uh, who was it they destroyed at the weekend? I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Can't remember. Who cares? Arsenal. Oh, it was Newcastle Monday. Newcastle Monday night, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was always going to be difficult for us, but as you said, we needed to do our bit, and we very sadly didn't. Um, and it wasn't so much, you know, the actual result itself. It was just the. the Level of performance, we were shocking, I thought. I think that Arsenal game, talking about that Arsenal game um, against Newcastle, maybe if we had a won, Arsenal would have been under pressure and it might have been a different result because they it's I under pressure. It. Newcastle were terrible. Oh, they are, well, they are, aren't they? The minute I saw Dan Goslin starting the midfield for Newcastle, I knew it was all over. Well, they're on, they're on some holes already, aren't they? Um, so, our well, game, though, Quid. Yeah, I was just going to run quickly run through the team. Um, Howard in goal, Bainesy left back. Alcaraz and Stone centre half, uh, Coleman right back, Barry McCarthy as always, and then uh, Delafeu, Barkley, Naismith, and Lukaku. So Delafeu came in for the injured Kevin Morales. Uh, we had a debate last week about who would come in, whether it be Osman, McGeady, or Delafeu, and Delafeu got the nod. He did, and to all those doubters who were shouting at me saying uh, I was the world's worst since Hitler for. Daring to criticise Delafeu and saying he wasn't good enough to play for us at the moment, I think this game probably, you know, backed my argument up. Yeah, I mean, the only chance we had in the first half came from a Delafeu cross, but that's all we did. You know, I mean, well, apart from the two goals we did score, which uh, were two crackers. Well, yeah. Unfortunately. Uh, the first goal coming after, was it 53 seconds? Something like that. Um, I thought I was seeing things when I was watching it. I, I, I just, I could not believe it. It's just, Alcaraz was under a little bit, he's had a little bit of heat, hasn't he? And I thought, I, you know, on the back of that uh, diabolical result over at the shite, um, I thought he was made a, a bit of a scapegoat over that when, you know, it was an overall... Poor team performance. 
So I was, I thought he's done all right in other games since, but he just again self-destruct with that one mistimed diving header, which yeah, wrong-footed Tim Howard. For any Blues listening who may not have seen the game for whatever reason, don't uh, watch it. Yeah, don't watch it. Just listen to uh, our quick rundown. Uh, Ricky Lambert breaks down the left wing, put in. Great ball, got to give him credit. Great season ball, right into the danger area where you want it. Uh, just behind, between the keeper and the, the two centre-halves. Um, and I actually feel quite sorry for Alcaraz. I think he had to do something. I think he had to deal with it, but so he should have done a million Alcaraz, times better. Uh, does his greatest Andy Gray impression. Goes for the, the diving header uh, and scores a bit of a great header in his own net. Yeah. It's Howard rooted to the spot. So uh, we're already we're on the back foot. Uh, we've got a mountain to climb after one minute. Do you know what, though? At this point, I sat there and I, I instantly thought, you know, he had to do something with that, the lad. So he's been brave. He's headed it. All right, it's gone in our net. If you're going to concede an own goal, 50 seconds is probably the best time of the game to do it because at least you've still got another 94 minutes or something to, to get that back. So I wasn't really worried at that point, I must admit. I just thought, bit of a fluke. There's no reason why we can't score two here. Uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, well, you'd think that if you had some kind of uh, cohesive play and forward movement and somebody to aim for, but 1-0 down and we didn't have that. So it was pretty clueless. So 1-0 down, we didn't really look like scoring. I think we had one uh, half, well, I'd say no, it was a good chance, Delafeu crossed from the right, uh, you know, four yards out or something, it's come a little, maybe a touch too high for Lukaku, and uh, he's added like miles over the bar. Um, but ne- other, other than that, that's it for the first half. You know, apart from Southampton's other wonder goal, we never really were able to establish our pattern of play. I thought, you know, I thought the the job that, that Southampton did and stifling the way we play was was very good. And um, we were looking for our full backs, obviously Coleman and Baines to push on and penning their full backs, Klein and, and Shaw. But it, it turned out to be the other way. Uh, and I thought, you know. I thought Klein in particular for them at right back had, had a very good game. Looked, looked attacking coming forward, uh, did his job admirably against uh, uh, Bainesy and Delafeu was it down the left? Yep. Uh, so uh, and in the first half in particular, you know, Delafeu didn't get a sniff out of him, did he? Really, well, apart t- from that cross that you, ju- you, yeah. you just mentioned. Well, that was during one five-minute spell where he uh, appeared to come over, switch over onto the right for a little bit. Um, and that was like seem, seemingly the most productive spell that we had, that he had. So why wasn't he? Why didn't he stay over there? Or why wasn't he allowed to stay over there? Don't know. But uh, I don't, the problem you got there is now I don't think Naismith is really a left winger, do you? So. No, no. Um, there was uh, that, the man you've just been talking about, Klein, uh, had a big part to play in the um, Southampton second goal or the Everton second goal, whichever whichever way you want to uh, see it. Whipped it over from the right. Um, Alcaraz and Stones look like, I don't know, seals or something, he- jumping to head the ball. And uh, I don't know I don't know what happened. It, I, well, I do know what happened, unfortunately. Again, you've got to give the like It was a great ball into the box, right into the danger area again. The type of cross that, you know, sometimes we cry out for and it never comes. But... Um, What's you would have thought Alcaraz or Stones would have won that, wouldn't you? Right. You think about it. Who were the three closest players to that ball? Alcaraz, Coleman and Stones. So, is it a great cross? Well, 
it's, it's in the area where it's got to be dealt with. You, it's not one of them crosses into the box that you can just leave or see out or the keeper can come and get it. It's in the right area. It was it? dangerous, I suppose, in as much as we didn't handle it well. So, obviously, well, it, it proved the danger. Because yeah, you got a goal from it. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay so... But I, it should have been dealt with. First of all, Alcaraz should have got his head on it. Second of all, if he misses it, Stone should have got his head on it. Two six-foot-something defenders going for it, and little Seamus Coleman kind of squatting behind them, and uh, tries to... I'm assuming he tried to cushion it back to Howard, and it was, you know, blocked, had his line of sight blocked, and um, puts it in the bottom corner. Yeah, I mean, our love for Seamus Coleman knows no bounds on this podcast, and, you know, we've continually shouted out through the season that he's the best right-back in the league, possibly even the world. Um, and... Uh, but there is that little thing that he's possibly might be not the sharpest knife in the drawer and does tend to look a little bit gormless sometimes, would you say? Uh, and never has that been highlighted more than on the slow motion replay of watching this goal where Colwyn seemed to watch it for an age with like the dopiest look on his face ever before tamely heading it into his own bottom corner. What I will say that... It didn't do him any favour no, with that slow motion replay. What I will say is... Uh... Everton fans didn't react as badly to Coleman's own goal as they did with Alcaraz. And I'm sure, as I said, Alcaraz was a, a scapegoat for uh, the disaster over the, at the park, uh, you know, over there. Um, I think he's been made the scapegoat for this game as well, for us losing this game. Uh, the amount of people said he, he, he's rubbish, he, you know... He, he's, an, he's an easy target. We, we've discussed this before, you know. Evertonians are notorious for having a... Individual in the team who do you like to blame for everything? We, you know, it, so because Osman wasn't on the pitch. It was, Hibbe, it was Osman. It was Naismith. Naismith's brilliant now, so we need some of the else. And at the moment, it's Alcaraz. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. You think about players who didn't play well. Barry didn't play well for the first time. I can't think of any. Yeah, I can't think of anyone who didn't play well. Even you know McCarthy and Stones who were having worldies every week weren't particularly great. Yeah, Barkley was anonymous. Uh, I think uh, once we got into the second half, uh, we'll talk about it in a sec. When Osman came on, we looked a little bit brighter. Not a whole lot. Lukaku was even on the pitch, apart from the two half chances he had. Um, in fact, you no, know, I, I remember something else he showed on match of the day where he got the ball down our right-back position and uh, tried that little step over and he ran the ball straight out, which is what um, Nate Smith got crucified for a few, a, few, a few weeks ago in the Spurs game. He did do it three times in the space of about 40 <laughs> seconds, though. Um, so, the second half, uh, there was a change immediately, wasn't there? I'll put you on the spot again here. Yeah, there was a half-time swap, a straight swap, basically. Osman for Barkley, who, as you say, had been... Anonymous in the first half, um, so it was a, a change that made sense to probably try and bit unlock the Southampton defence. Just on a side note for that, uh, did you see Roy Hodgson was in the stand watching as well? I think he had he was casting uh, his eye over the Southampton players, but he must have noticed uh, how poor the the Everton players. Well, I don't think there would have been a game that weekend that had more England influence, really, when you think about it. If you're looking at, you know. Potentially from Southampton, you've got Lambert, Lalana, Shaw. And after that game, he's got to be even thinking about the likes of Klein and, you know, his one for the future, maybe. And then from an Everton point of view, obviously, Barkley 
Barry Osmond, no, well, they're not going out. Stones and Baines, innit? Well, Baines, not Stones. Well, I, not... No, well, I think he, he probably was looking at Stones and probably caught him on his, his worst game in a long time. So, so yeah, Hodgson was there and uh, he saw, witnessed a, a very early penalty shout in the second half. Uh, Osmond ran into the box and got blocked off. I think it was by Fonte. So that was uh, the first, the first of a. Yeah, cup. it was a penalty. There was an appeal from the Evertonians. There was a slight appeal from some of the players. For me, it wasn't a penalty. It was just a, you know, a bit of a coming together in the box. Nothing. So just before we get onto the second one, uh, we talk. McGeady came onto the pitch, uh, and he, he seemed to go over onto the right for Delafeu, uh, and then that was that was just just before the hour mark. Just after the hour mark, uh, nice little bit of like uh, triangular passing, little cushion pass into the box from Naismith uh, into Osman, who picks up the ball in the box. Makes for the uh, byline and uh, and apparently dives. Oh, it's blatant dive, wasn't it? Tom Daly in heart out. Well, uh, I can't, was it was it Font again who, who slid in? It was, yeah. And that was tongue-in-cheek, the Tom Daly reference. If you see a more blatant penalty in the Premier League this season, then, you know, I'll wear the Liverpool scarf for the next six months because if that, that was a definite penalty, the lad, Osman, wins the ball, breaks into the box at pace... Touches the ball past the, the defender, who just completely wipes him out. Yeah, so uh, is it Michael Oliver, uh, the referee, comes over. Um, pretty much, we knew that it wasn't going to be a penalty straight away. I think he pointed the other way straight away. And just to rub salt in the wounds while Osman's in there in dismay, he uh, shows him a yellow card as well. Yeah. So it's like a big full stop on it, saying, nah, you're not getting it, and your books, lads. So I think get up. he'd misspelled Michael Oliver's name, and it was actually Michael Owen was the referee, the way that decision I went. think with the quality of his referee, and it might have been Jamie Oliver. <laughs> you're probably right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, ridiculous decision. And, and to, to book the lad, you know, don't even get me started on some of the players in the Premier League. Suarez. <laughs> Suarez. Suarez in particular. Um, just a joke. Absolute joke. Um, I mean, uh, once I, again, we're not. We're, you know, we we didn't get anything out of the game, but you know, we're not saying a penalty would have won us the game. You know, we don't like to sit here and criticise referees, but when a, a decision is that blatant and you get it that wrong, and then the player also gets booked, so you're accusing them of cheating. Ridiculous. I uh, I was like obviously watching it, and I, I you know we because we, we do our page, we try and update and we try and you know do some kind of commentary throughout and I put a half time the only time I can remember a self-destruct like this was uh, that Wimbledon game um, where, where we were 2-0 down obviously we've been hammered before then but not so much in a such a high stake game have we actually done it to ourselves you know in that Wimbledon game it was an own goal and a terrible Anders Limpar handball which put us 2-0 down and I was thinking, I said, can we be optimistic? Can we turn this around for the 3-2? I think most people just shut me down with a straight up, no. Well, you know, re- genu- genuinely, if you think about it, the pattern of play was very similar to the Man United game the week before, but the roles were reversed. You know, we, we talked in length last week on the-, on the podcast about how Man United at no point in the game looked like scoring. And, and you know, sometimes when you're tuning up, it can be a bit nervy, can't it? And... The team could be coming on to you and threatening. At no point in this game did I feel we were ever going to score past Southampton. No, I think apart from the uh, the penalty shout or shouts, which we'll get on to the second one in a sec. Uh, the only the only chance I can remember was, was, there, it, a, was there another penalty shout? 
towards the end. Yeah, oh, I'm a cat. Um, oh, yeah, there was, yeah. Um, was a whipped ball in from uh, McGeezy from the right. It was like the pretty much carbon copy of the first Lukaku attempt in the first half, except this time it was just a tame header, which he put straight up Boric in goal. So two, two attempts, two real attempts on goal in 90 minutes for you know a side who were meant to be challenging Champions League. Uh, it just wasn't good enough. Um the the final penalty uh, kind of shout was I think Font might have been involved again. Uh, McCarthy kind of scrambled for the ball. They had a little bit of a race for it uh, to the byline again. This time on the right hand side, kind of broke free with it, but he was still uh, still off balance and he seemed to be dragged back and pulled back down over Font around the 90th minute. So uh, we didn't get that one either. That one was less blatant, but it's still they are still given week in week out. I mean, and that lad has been involved in, in basically three penalty shouts, then, hasn't he? And you think he'd be a bit more clever than that because your penalty's a very intelligent man. It's the font of all knowledge. <laughs> we'll edit that one out. <laughs> <laughs> um, one final little little bit of uh, <laughs> as if the day couldn't get any worse. Uh, the 90th minute, uh, Leighton. Baines uh, has to go off injured. It's getting to be a little bit of a, a reoccurring theme. There's our players walking off injured in the, the, the last minute, the 90th minute, isn't it? One bright note, uh, though, is, is... that he can't play against <laughs> <laughs> Is that uh, Luke Garber came on to make his debut. Uh, what's his debut, wasn't it? I think he's been on the bench a number of times and played in the, the in the Cup. That's his Premier League debut? Premier League debut, debut yeah. All right, let's yeah. get on to that. So, and he, he's now itching for more. Um, should we talk about the bench now, or should we talk about our bright future in the news section? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we have to mention the bench now, really, because, you know, as we said there, we brought McGeady on, uh, we brought Osman on, neither of whom really made much impact on the game. And it was one of those games where we didn't really have that impact from the bench, did we? When you look through the bench, uh, there was nobody in particular who you thought could highly improve on the starting lineup. Well, not that we knew of. Well, not that we knew of, but there wasn't, uh, you know, a completely unknown quantity on the bench in the form of uh, Ryan Ledson. Yeah, just uh, 16, isn't he? And, uh, I always think if you're getting on the bench at age 16 in the Premier League, you must be a proper wonder kid. Yeah, or... Because, you know, there's going to be decent youngsters at 18, 19, isn't there? You know, three, two, three years ahead of them. So... You know, you think about the players who broke through at 16 and you're talking about the likes of your Roonies, aren't you? And, you know, Walcott and... Michael Branches. Yeah, <laughs> right, OK. I like yeah. that. But, um, yeah, Ryan Ledson, uh, England under, under 17's captain, is he at the moment? I think he's very, very, very highly thought of, uh, obviously. And um, you, you think he was on the bench, you had Garbutt on the bench and you also had Browning on the bench again. So, um, you know, that that's one bright spot we can take out of the game maybe is it I think it probably would have been nice for him to come on I mean when you you know it was one of them situations we didn't look like scoring give the lad 10 minutes you never know just that you know fearless attitude of youth he could have come on and caused a few problems maybe but for whatever reason maybe it was a confidence issue Martinez didn't want to Throw him in at the deep end, two 0 down. Or he's in, a, in a, a big, big game for the Blues. So maybe you know it's it's unlikely. It would, it would have been unlikely for him to make another. He, he made a central midfield substitution, didn't he, with Barkley for Osman? That didn't impact the game as well as it should. He made took McGeady. brought McGeady on for Delafeu. Is he is he likely 
to if he well, it's a good job he didn't earlier on because you know if Baines had gone off injured, we'd been down 10, ten minutes, uh, ten men for five minutes or so. So yeah, um, but overall, disappointing is an understatement. Very disappointing result, um, and and as we said at the start, uh, it's basically pretty much barring a minor miracle killed off any hopes of the Champions League. So uh, you know. We're looking Europa League bound at the moment, um, and um, it's made the Manchester City game this weekend even more interesting. And it's a subject that's polarised Evertonians more than anything I've seen in a long, long while. Just before we kind of put this game to bed, uh, it was audible the fact that it was on that early kickoff, wasn't it? And then it just made the weekend the weekend really, really long because we had to wait until that Arsenal game. We had the way to kind of seal our fate, so to speak. Um, I don't think I paid attention to any of the games on Saturday, but uh, there, there was some cracking games, wasn't it, on Saturday and particularly on the Sunday, which we... Yeah, I mean, obviously we were the early game on the Saturday. The, the late evening game on the Saturday was an interesting one because it was United's first game after... Uh, sending Moyes down with his P45 to go and sign on. Uh, so uh, Ryan Giggs's first game in charge at United, and uh, United looked decent. Uh, destroyed Norwich. Yeah, no place at all for Fellaini. It's a massive sort of kick in the. It was a bit and bollocks that. Really. Do you think it was two fingers at Moyes that really? Do you think because he, he dropped matter as well, didn't he? Which was interesting. I thought. I don't know. I don't know what it was. The and there was some. Did you hear the? Did you hear the, the interview with Giggs before the game where he said, as soon as it, I got told I was going to be managing, um, I phoned the manager just to you know have a quick word with him and say you know I might make a few changes. And he wasn't told about more. He just told about Alex Ferguson. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see that. That's uh, interesting though, isn't it? So he's basically uh, jibbed Fellaini off, uh, jib Matter off a. After game, he also, he also, you know, Fellaini didn't make the match day squad, but neither did Janna's eye, which uh, surprised me. Um, but Vidic was back, which might have made the difference the week before if he if he might have been in the squad. He went old school, didn't he? I think it, it was uh, like a team from about two seasons ago, wasn't it? You know, we had the likes of Vidic and Ferdinand, and and then you know, Carrick and Cleverly in midfield, and, and all the old school players. So. Uh, anyway, they, uh, they, they, they won 4 0. They did win 4 0. So that edges them closer to us. And I think they can possibly still catch us. They can they? catch us, yeah. Uh, they can't uh, catch Arsenal or they can't get a Champions League spot. But if they win their games, I think they've, despite their disappointing season, I think their goal difference is slightly better than ours. Uh, and they can catch us. Yeah, Spurs won again. So they're still milling about us. They're three points behind us, but their goal difference is far worse. Uh, and then we got to the Sunday and, you know, what was being billed as the title decider between uh, our friends across the park and uh, and Chelsea. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the talk all week had been about Chelsea Field and this ridiculously weak side and a load of kids playing. Uh, I think I was on a podcast last week saying, don't believe that for a minute, it's Jose Mourinho mind games. And he actually did put out, a not the strongest no. side, but, you know, a side which had... Had a chance. Schwarzer in goal, that's all I'll say. Schwarzer in goal, he's just, he looks, every time he's played for Chelsea or came on for, he's looked hopeless, I think. I think he needs to hang. Do you think? Yeah. Well, I think he's, you say he's looked hopeless in his last two games. He's kept a clean sheet in the semi final of the Champions League against Atletico Madrid away, and he's kept a clean sheet against Liverpool. 
top of the Premier League away. I think. How can you? I think I'd have kept a clean sheet against Liverpool with Steven Gerrard shooting on Sunday. Well, possibly. But anyway, we can't ignore what happened in that game because it, it was, was funny. It was. If anything, it was going to lift our spirits just for a bit, little to a certain you extent. Know, you know, not. It wasn't. You know, it didn't make up for the fact that we lost 2-0 but it made us smile just a little bit soften the blow for the weekend I think I'd go so far say it did make up for it for me really because it was just the manner in which it happened because you know we have a lot of listeners and we go we bang on about this every week we have a lot of listeners that don't live in this city obviously you know the internet's international so we have listeners in America Australia and I'm sure whatever part of the world you're in You've got those annoying cop-eyes who walk around the Liverpool shirt, go banging on about how great Liverpool is. Unfortunately, yeah, we've got thousands of them. Um, and all we've heard now for weeks is, dare we dream, we're going to win the league, uh, the Chelsea game's a formality, blah, 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 this year's our year. Um, it didn't quite work out like that, did it? Oh, Joe no, did the business. he out. did, he parked two buses apparently. And if there's any ever anyone who can wind cop up more than anyone at all, Jose Mourinho running should... down the line, banging his chest, and you know, they talk about his tactics though, and you know, and uh, lack of class or whatever. And there was a spell there where two of their players, oh, they were doing a little bit of time wasting. Who doesn't when you change? I don't think Everton do that much, but you know, maybe Tim Howard does a little bit. Uh, but they had two players down with their, you know, cramp or whatever, and they were running around like. A lot, so I think I think give them the benefit of the doubt. They were out injured, even if they weren't. You play the ball back. That's the that's the done thing. That's the classy thing to do. And he didn't play the ball back. He just carried on after the ball was knocked out of play. Just there, there was a great shot where it was like a camera angle from behind the goal, and it was all fifteen minutes in, and Schwartz has got the ball, and there's at least five Chelsea players around the pitch, like some Matic, uh, whoever else is at centre half, Ivanovic. Uh, Aspilicueta and they're all going slow down <laughs> slow down and then you see Suarez is like really getting wound up and starts clapping yeah. as if to say well done you're just like killing football but oh, if anyone's killing football it's him well it it didn't kill football it reignited it reignited the football for me that weekend yeah um, and you know anybody with any knowledge of football and any sort of memory will remember Liverpool's European campaigns a few years back when you were you know Looking in the Champions League, and he, they used to go away, and they used to park the bus worse than anybody under Benitez. It was, you know, and who? Yeah, just was, you have very short memories. So you do have short memories, and I tell you what, though, you know, it's easy to throw around saying, you know, there's great genius managers and all that, but I, I honestly do think Mourinho does have that spark of genius because uh, if you watch Monday night, did you see the Monday night football the build up to the Arsenal game? No, I didn't. Um, basically, they, had, they were asking Carragher about the game, which was funny in itself, because you, know, you know what he's like. Um, but he, he highlighted... He, he, do you know where he said Chelsea won the game? No. You'll never guess this. No, I don't know. The throw-ins. Yeah. Because how he, what he said was, if you watched every single throw-in Chelsea had, they never once threw the ball into the pitch. They always... They had uh, Aspilicueta always came and took the throw-ins and threw it straight down the line as long as he could, no matter where they had to throw. Because what that meant was, um, he was always throwing a ball past the two banks of defence. So it just completely nullified the counter-attack. So it's little things like that, you know, next year when we go to Anfield, I want to see us sign 
you know, Rory the lap or someone just for that game, just so we can start launching the ball from the throw-ins. But uh, I always like you talk about throw-ins, and you know, we're going to get all like tactical truck here. I think we're um, appalling at throw-ins. We are appalling at throw-ins, but I I agree with that. That is. The, that should be one of the things that when people come in, the little things that are overlooked, I think that's one of the little thing, things that's overlooked because it's possession play. How many times do we just get the ball in our own corner, lose it, and it, like you know, to get a shot from it? Or we get it down the other end and we just lose possession dead easy and teams break. It's a little thing, but it's possession. You wouldn't just get the ball at centre-back and just pass it to one of their players. And that's essentially what we're doing. No, yeah, it's true, yeah. You know, and... I, you know, I have this criticism of Delafeu, and it's the same with corners. If he's constantly giving the ball away easily on corners, uh, you know, hitting out the, not beating the first man, it's just sacrificing possession in, in a great place. Yeah. So uh, you might as well, if you know, if you're going to do that, you might as well just boot it straight out or not send any defenders up, because it's just it, it, you need a reset there. So. Before we leave talking about the shite as well, we can't go anywhere without having a massive laugh at the expense of uh, Stephen Gerrard, oh, yeah. can't we? And Let's do it. it one more time, or whatever whatever his rallying speech was. <laughs> well in. So, you, you, I believe you uh, you turned into uh, Paul McCartney, the, the um, Lennon and McCartney of football writing songs on uh, Sunday as well. I did, I was stuck with a bit of genius, yeah. Uh, basically, you know, changing the words to the Stephen Gerrard song to Steve Gerrard, Gerrard, Gerrard. Uh, he slipped on his big fat ass and gave the ball to Denver Bar, Steve Gerrard, Gerrard. I like it. Uh, and it was hilarious, wasn't it, seeing him fall over and watching like Bar Bambi. run like through. Like Bambi, yeah. And um, it's funny, there's loads, obviously loads of, gif, loads of like memes and gifs and all that kind of stuff going on since. But one that made me laugh, uh, was I think I saw it like yesterday, was... Um, when William and Fernando Torres were, were, um, were breaking and it was just a picture of them two burning down on Mignolet with a speech bubble coming from Mignolet's mouth saying uh, they said you'd never walk alone <laughs> they were wrong or something like that because he was con- he was just completely on his own and they were just burning down on him I thought yeah have that <laughs> so there you go we may have blew the fourth position but it looks like they blew been in the league, so you know every cloud has a silver lining. I suppose doesn't uh, make up. I don't think. Well, I don't know. I don't. I'm still undecided whether it makes up for it. And and then obviously Arsenal went on to, as we already stated, to to, to destroy. You let, you've let us down, Alan Pardew. I even said I went so far as to say I liked you for that one game. Well, for the, for two out of these three games, I went so far as to say I liked you, and I thought you were a good fella. And what did you do? You blew I, it. I was even happy to not to, to say that Dan Goslin was and when he grabbing little knob for ninety minutes. Um, but there you go. You blew it. Um so uh all the results conspired uh, to make it a very strange week in football where there's there's hundreds of copites or thousands of copites walking around asking Everton to do them a favour. Yeah, and trying to talk, they they're being more supportive of Everton this week than I think a, a lot of Evertonians are, which is just the most bizarre paradox I think I've ever seen. Yeah, it's been a mad one, uh, but it's been a mad season. So this this season kind of summed it up, I think. I mean, this this weekend summed it up. Uh, so we leave the uh, the review of last weekend's action there, and uh, we'll come back in a sec with all the Everton news of the week.
Okay, so we start our news section off with a bit of a, a bit of a high point again. Uh, and man, we talked about in the earlier uh, section of, the, uh, of today's show, Seamus Coleman. He didn't have a good weekend at the start of it, but he ended on a high as he was included in the PFA uh, Team of the Year. Yeah, I think if you were going to, you know, put a bet on any player getting in that team in a specific position, I think probably. Coleman would have been the most likely, I would have said. I don't think there's been any other right-back in the Premier League this season that's come close. Uh, I suppose you could say Zabletta. Uh, you know, Ivanovic has done well there at Chelsea, but uh, for me, Coleman's been head and shoulders above the rest, uh, as has Bainsey at left-back, but that didn't go to plan. No, Luke Shaw got the nod at left-back. Do you see, with the centre-back pair, no, I, I don't think Kale's done enough to... I think he's had a decent. He has had a decent season, you know. Chelsea. Have been I suppose he's established himself as you know uh, first choice, but he's not Chelsea uh, first choice England uh, centre back with uh, Jagielka. He has been playing most games for Chelsea this season, but if you think about it, I mean, it hasn't been you know any real outstanding standouts at centre half this year. Do you think Jags, if he didn't get injured, he might have had a shout in this last little run in, or do you think he's just not done well enough? Yeah, he must have been there or thereabouts, I would have thought. But, you know, I think Jagielkin and Distan have both had solid seasons but not stood out. And, you know, you tend to find there might be a little bit of London bias sometimes in some of these positions. Um, but going back to the Baines thing, I, you know, I look at it and I don't understand it. I mean, you look, I, don't, I think Shaw's got no goals and no assists this season. Southampton have got a worse defensive record than Everton have uh, and the lower than them in the league. So... You know, I think it's just a case that he's young and English. That's what's propelled him into into getting a nod over Bainsey. A bit more fashionable at the minute. That's maybe. it. That's, it. That's exactly the same. He's just the the, the end thing, the, the fashionable thing. And he's, you know, and, and I think maybe he'll, he'll be going the World Cup. I think Baines will be as well, but I don't think Cole will be. Uh, I think if if I was casting a vote, you know, I'm sure at some point we'll get included in voting for the PFA because of our outstanding knowledge, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, I'd give it to Oviedo. <laughs> Impact on the season and for uh, tweeting about Everton, I think there's no doubt. Oh, definitely. Just for the Man United game alone, Oviedo, <laughs> uh, PFA left back of the year. Um, and the rest of the team is just uh, insignificant, isn't it? Because it was full of red shite and City players. It was, yeah. I mean, wait, you know, I still think it's an absolute travesty that McCarthy didn't get any recognition whatsoever if Barkley's getting a nomination for young player then McCarthy should have won world player of the year as far as I'm concerned so uh, again if I was picking a team James McCarthy would definitely have been Barkley didn't get the young player of the year boo no of course he didn't but uh, you know some serious competition Eden Hazard won it so you can't really dispute that fact can you so uh, we just carry on, stay on Barkley because I believe you. Uh, I, I didn't hear about this little bit of news, but you know about it apparently, Barkley. Before we go on to yeah, over the last couple of weeks we've obviously obviously mentioned Barkley's form and there's been a bit of a dip. And a story came out this week, uh, which is getting to be a bit like you know Danny Dyer's hardest cities or Ross Kempon gangs or something. And there's some rumor going around that Ross Barkley's maybe stole the girlfriend of uh, some. Idiot drug dealer in Liverpool. Uh, apparently, the lad's name Sam Walker, and he lives in Garston. So, if any of our listeners want to know where he lives and want to throw eggs at his windows, be our guest. Uh, and this lad apparently is, um, you know, threatened Barkley in some way for 
taking his woman. Uh, and and maybe and you think that's possibly why Barclays had a little bit of a different form. Get your head on the game. The thing is, no matter how hard Sam Walker thinks he is, I'm sure Ross Barkley's got hundred thousand mates who'd go and happily uh, fill this lad in. So um, it might be a load of rumours. There's always rumours going around of footballers and you know all the Stephen Gerrard ones went on for ages. And they were obviously true with us. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, the yeah, Ross yeah. Barkley ones clearly are unfounded. So. Um, I'm sure Ross is fairly handy himself, to be fair. He's not exactly a small lad, is he? No. Um, staying with Ross and throwing in Coleman and Stones to the mix, they've all been linked with uh, moves away. This time, I think Coleman's been linked strongly with a, a big money move to Arsenal. Uh, Stones has been linked with Chelsea, as has Barkley as well. I think Barkley's been linked with Man U again as well. So, the most interesting one I thought was uh, Rodwell for Stone straight swap <laughs> Man City. What do you reckon? I think they they must be smoking crack. Um, but uh, apparently, well, last night was the AGM, the annual general meeting uh, of Everton. Um, so the boardroom and Roberto have come out that there is no need to sell, and said, sorry, that there is no need to sell. Uh, normally, they come out and say these kind of things, and then we end up selling, which is kind of worrying. Yeah, I mean, season tickets are still on sale, so I'm sure they're not going to come out and say, uh, listen, people, uh, we've decided that we've got to sell all our best players. Um, you know, it might be a case that another player has to go in the summer. I don't think it will, because apparently they're saying that we've got money to spend. Yeah, which... However, the other thing that came out of the AGM last night, uh, May, you know, really changed the, the financial structure of the club again, and how we're going to be financed going forward in the next couple of years. Yeah, so apparently uh, Robert Elstone has said that uh, the stadium plans, which we, we discussed a few weeks ago, and we kind of we kind of broke it, didn't we? Ish. Well, I don't think we can claim that, but we, you know, we, we sort of said that we're hearing strong rumours probably about was it about six weeks ago now, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the obviously they seem to be gathering momentum every week, and we've talked about it a couple of times since. Uh, and you know, it's starting to turn into a little bit of reality now because the club themselves are confirming uh, without any great detail part of the rumours. They they have uh, specific sites in mind. Um, the the plans are backed by the council. Yeah, and I think in as, theory, sorry, but not financially. As it's gathering momentum, the, the the site does seem to be identified as Walton Hall Park. There was talk of maybe a couple of sites, but everything now seems to be leaning towards Walton Hall Park. And they're cautious, cautiously optimistic. Is the words that we used about cautiously that. optimistic? Yeah, they don't want to say it's a set. Is that like thinking it'll happen, but we're in a crash helmet? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, pretty much like that. Um, what we are starting to hear again, this is just rumours, this is what I've been told. Uh, as we've said before, uh, 54,000 uh, purpose built to the fact that there's possibility for the extension after that, looking further ahead. Um, there's talk of the home end, so whatever the new version of the Gladys Street is, is going to be a, the country's first purpose built safe standing area a la Dortmund so it'll be like rail seats um, however that's how true that is I don't know because I know Bill Kenwright opposed to safe standing areas obviously he's got a lot of involvement in the Hillsborough campaign so uh, I think he's got a certain uh, you know sway views against that or sway as you say but um, you know if it's going to be the future if it, if it is going to start coming into the Premier League then 
you've got to incorporate it in a new grant. Definitely, and definitely in plans way. for it. Yeah, I mean, in case it, you know it does come about. Uh, the rumours are that Liverpool City Council are going to be financing a the project. They're going to be throwing a lot of money into it, uh, up to upwards of about two hundred. I've heard million. that they weren't. Well, what I've been told is that that's going to be the case, uh, and then the, the the plans going forward is it, it. This is you know part of a greater plan to to buy to get new backers for Everton Football Club, and what they're hoping is. Uh, just as what happened to Man City when they built this, the Commonwealth Stadium, which is now the Etihad, uh, is that the, the council financed that. Uh, and then when they sell the club, the council will get their money back through the sale of, of the ground uh, to the new owners. So it sounds, in theory, like, like a, a bit of a, a win-win for everyone. There is some rumours coming out today that it's some sort of Abu Dhabi company who's financing the new ground. So Yeah, that's always going to be a controversial issue. Wishful thinking or, or, or not, but or just rumour mongers. So um, as soon as we get anything concrete, we will bring it. There was supposed to be a piece in one of the national papers today, uh, but I've not seen anything come from that so no, far. No, all talk shit. So I don't really, don't really bother. Um, also coming at, well coming from Roberto uh, this week is uh, he's come out and said that we will be signing or looking to sign seven players in the um, in the summer. Seven players. Seven yeah. players, yeah. And if you look at the players coming back as well, you've got Gibson, Kone, whether whether he's good or not, um, and a couple of others coming back uh, to full fitness. You know, Jags and Pienaar, obviously. Um, nah. Would those seven players include, say, the, like would Delafeu back on loan be one of those? I seven think players? I think it would be. I think you know I don't I, I can't see Lukaku hap, uh, happening now. Can you? I don't I don't if, I think if they still want twenty five million, still try. I think the club will still have a go, but I, I don't know. You know, there's this groundswell of opinion for for Bonnie, as we've mentioned, and a lot of Evertonians seem really? to be getting behind that. But that hmm. that sort of a move like that, and as you say, yeah, Lovac Remy as well. I mean, I think. I, I, the jury's still out on Boney for me. I don't know whether he, you know he's the answer that we're looking for. So, but we'll have to wait and see. Won't we be interesting? Um, I'm just thinking though. You know, with with the players we've got out at the minute. You know, we're talking about eight or nine players out injured at the moment. If they were all back fit, and then we added another seven players to that squad, that'd be. I think that squad would be too big, and you'd have to lose players. Can you think of any players who we might see leave this summer? Barry, Lukaku, Delafeu. Well, well, Delafeu's rumoured are coming back. I still think Barry will stay. Um, so no, they're just players that could leave. So yeah, that could. But I mean, all right. Apart from the players we've got on loan this season, is there any other players you can see maybe moving on? Because I'm trying to rack my brains and think of someone. But Pina, do you think possibly Pina may go? Possibly, yeah, yeah. Right, okay, interesting. So, yeah, so possibly seven new players. Yeah. Magnificent seven. Um, also, sticking on to Roberto, uh, apparently Johan Cruyff has handpicked Roberto Martinez to take over at Ajax should De Boer go on to take the job at Spurs, which he's uh, being heavily, heavily linked with. Yeah, yourself, Johan. Yeah, shut up, Johan. You were good at footy, but for picking managers, nah. Just leave leave our Bertie alone. You never know, though. He might change his mind. He might do a you know a cruise turn. <laughs> well, um, one one. Uh, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was worse than the one before. We've got one little nice little story, but, but uh, I'm going to leave that because it'll do a nice little segue. But just uh, just sorry, just before we move on, I, I was you know this is going to sound daft. This when I when I actually say this out loud, this is going to sound daft. But 
How is Ajax a step up from Everton? If the Ajax manager is leaving Ajax to come to Tottenham because that's a step up, why would the Everton manager go to Ajax as a career development to I don't you know, I think Ajax are dreaming there if they think they've got more appeal than Everton. Dunno. I can't work that one out either. Uh, two good bits of news. Uh, Jags has been declared fit for the weekend, and so has I, he been declared fit? Or are we just going to play him in a wheelchair? Possibly, yeah. Just play him. Just play him. How funny would it be at the the, the handshake at the start of the game if he brought Jagielka out in a wheelchair? That'd be a laugh, wouldn't it? Yeah. And Baines as well. Baines has been declared fit as well. Uh, I, do you know what? In all honesty, though, those two lads. They're going to the World Cup, aren't they? You wouldn't miss them. I wouldn't miss them. It could be the, the last chance. They used to say England will qualify for the next World Cup. So If you've got trust in Garbutt and Alcaraz, despite the, the result at the weekend, then, uh, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. I, wouldn't, I seriously wouldn't play either of them at the, at the weekend. And, and that's not... This is completely aside from the whole, you know, doing Liverpool a favour thing. Uh, and anything to do with that. If either of them have got some sort of injury and aren't fully fit, um, I know we're Evertonians at Arta and we pay their wages and and, and they should do everything they can for our club, Um, but I think we owe it to the pair of them to look after them and and let them get to the World Cup. I I said this a few weeks ago, though, it's any time a player has has had any kind of doubt under Roberto, uh, any kind of knock or niggle, then he, uh, he he won't risk them. So uh, you know, unless they're a hundred percent, then I think I think uh, I, I don't think they'll play. Um, yeah. So with two nice other nice-ish bits of news uh, coming from the likes of social media. Um, well, first of all was an email. I think uh, any Evertonian who signed up for e-ticket and all gets the season ticket online or whatever will probably have got this. Uh, your chance to participate in the Hit the Bar half-time competition for the City game. Do you have a go? I've had a go. I'm waiting for my email on Friday. I've actually had two goes because I didn't know the you answer. Cheat. I didn't know the answer. The question was, how many times have Everton hit the bar this season or hit the woodwork, which is a bit of a... Hang on, I hope it was hit the woodwork because otherwise I might have got this wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of um, you know variables here. When the ball's gone in off the bar or what? Uh, and basically, the options were four, fourteen, or twenty-four. And I answered it twice. I went for. I thought it's got to be more than four, so I went for fourteen or twenty-four. There me two answers. I've, I've had to go at. Um, so yeah, you might see me on the pitch at half time, and I'm a bit of a demon at it in the bar, aren't I? So no, <laughs> I'm a set. What are you on about? I'm a dead ball specialist. No. <laughs> the final bit of um, uh, our news of the week is. I might take it left-footed. Oh God, I'll I'll, I'll die for cover. No one, because I'll be on the pitch with you. <laughs> if I took it left footed from the, edge of the box, it wouldn't even reach the, the, the goal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sorry, the final final bit of news was uh, a few. Do you remember a few months ago there was a little bit of a social media sensation when um, there was a Malaysian fan who came over for the cancelled Palace game, and it was he'd been he's been an Evan supporter all his life. And he, you know, he spent thousands of pounds to get over here and, uh, and, and, you know, all his accommodation and everything. And uh, the game got called off. You're starting to milk this now, I think. No, and, well, it became a sensation because he tweeted. And then uh, it got back to the club. 
And as it kind of, you know, kind of to soften the blow, or you know, he took him into the changing rooms. You got to meet all the players because uh, I think we played that weekend as well. But his flight was for the day after, so he missed it. Um, well, Rick Wee, who was that, uh, that the Malaysian who was, uh, he's coming back to Goodison for for the weekend. So yeah, we can get him on a podcast. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Always, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, I'm going to tweet him. I'm going to tweet him later. The wee man, we could call him. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an, again, it's a nice little story, isn't it? Because he finally gets to see his beloved Blues play a game, and hopefully um, it'll be a good game. You should do a photo opportunity of him with Duncan Ferguson and have it as the big man and the wee man. Yeah, you should send that in. Marketing genius. There you go. Yeah, marketing genius, and that wraps up our news of the week. So, just, just, we didn't do any transfer talks for us, though, did we? What, we're getting a move? Are we oh, getting yeah, a move yeah. to, like, a different podcast or something, are we? <laughs> yeah. We're you can, gonna... you're, you're going to Football Ramble, and I'm going to James Richardson's. No, we're going to the full kit wanker badge-wearing knobhead podcast. <laughs> guess who Guess who they, uh, they support? Uh, could it be Liverpool, by any chance? Yeah. Um, just totally randomness, completely random. Um I was on Facebook before, and I seen an interesting little story. Well, it's not even a story; it was just a you know made-up question, basically a bit of a, a bit of a fantasy question. And it was who would win in a fight, Duncan Ferguson or Tony Bellew? Oof! And ninety-nine percent of the Blues went for Duncan Ferguson. Nah, it's got to be Bellew. Bellew's one of the highest-rated boxers in the world. I mean, Duncan might be hard, but he's, he's, Tony Bellew is a professional fighter. Uh, That's what he does for a living and is very, very good at it. So, after we've obviously gave, you know, that perspective, I'm going Duncan Ferguson. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think Tim Cale battled both of them. Yeah. If, if he just imagines them as a corner flag. And they, they couldn't even live with James McCarthy. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, news over. We shall be back in a sec with uh, your social media views on our burning question of the week. Yeah, there's only one subject we can talk about really this week on social media, and that is, do we want to lose at the weekend? This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. You did say we've only got one question of the week, but we started off with a bit of a light one because the second one was very heavy. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a bit of a crazy old week on the Facebook and the Twitter, hasn't it? Uh, obviously, with the build-up to the City game. So, yeah, I forgot that I'd put a question out following the uh, the PFA Awards earlier in the week. Uh, and obviously, as we said before, you know, Seamus getting nominated as, as right-back. Uh, I threw it out there to, you know, our followers. Um, is Coleman the best right-back the club's ever had. And, you know, generally that accolade goes to Gary Stevens uh, in the side in the mid-80s. So the question basically was, you know, is Coleman better than, than Shaggy Stevens? Uh, and we got a, a bit of a mixed response, really. Yeah, I, a couple of responses on Twitter. Is it Leicester, uh, Leicester Evan, uh, sorry, at Leicester Evan 80? And he just says yes. Uh, and, and, and at Jack Morris, dude says, yeah, and he'll keep getting better. I think uh, Leicester uh, seems around, possibly around our age, and Jack Morris seems a bit of a young lad, so I think that's... I think this They're lads who grow grown up, you know, probably not knowing just how good Gary Stevens was. 
Um, Glenn Davis, uh, Seamus is still a young and really compared to Gary Stevens, who was exceptional. Uh, so by the sounds of it, he's he's just tipping his hat towards Stevens at the moment, uh, and that's backed up by Fra McKenny, uh, who says Coleman's not quite at Shaggy's standard yet. I'm afraid. Uh, Sammy Amana says, "What about Ray Wilson?" Uh, well, it's always that you know was Ray Wilson better suited at left back or right back? That's the thing, isn't it? And again, because he was you know so much back in the day, even we can't comment on that one really because we never got to see him play, did we? So. Um, Looking through, uh, Brian Lee, uh, say, again, he starts start with Gary Stevens saying that he, he doesn't think that Coleman's as good as Stevens, uh, and that's backed up by Leo Rendell, who says, not until he wins something with us. Uh, Pete White says Ian Snowden could have been if injury hadn't stopped him. Injury or getting buried every night? Possibly, yeah. I think it's probably a bit of both, really. There's a, there's a few fun, like few funny suggestions, uh, I'm assuming, they're, they're attempted as humour, like John O'Kane and Mitch Ward. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Simon Paul uh, basically can't believe we've even asked this question. Ha ha, very funny. It's obviously Hibbert by a mile. Yes, uh, and Lee McDonnell added two comments. His first was yes, and Lee McDonnell added to that was in current form. So, right, okay. Uh, Noli McVeigh will finish on. He reckons it was Matt Jackson uh, due to his uh, performance at Elland Road Cup semi final '95, which was Cafu esque. Yeah, so um, just before we move on to the second question, you know, our, our age uh, has afforded us the opportunity to see some world class right backs at Everton over the years, the likes of Mark Ottinger. My, yeah, Abel Xavier. Abel Xavier, um, uh, Alex- Alessandro Pistoni, um, who was left back and right back and also centre back. Um, I- I- did I say Earl Barry? You know, we haven't mentioned Earl Barry. No. Uh, obviously, Mitch Ward, who we mentioned before. Yeah. Um, they just, yeah, that's the Paul kind. Paul Holmes? Paul Holmes, yeah, Paul Holmes. Burroughs was a left back. I hated David Burroughs. He was my most hated player. And then we signed him. Anyway. Um, Matt Jackson was probably one of the better ones over the years. Yeah, when you go and do, when you look through that list, um, it's never really been our strongest position so, before. Sort of Hibbo started, you know, making it his own and, and becoming good, and then obviously Sheamus has well, moved down on if, a bit. If you look at if you look at it out of that, you know, Phil Neville, somebody put tongue in cheek, Phil Neville there. Out of that kind of motley crew, Phil Neville, Phil Neville is Phil Neville. Phil Neville probably is. In the higher echelon of right backs in in that kind of grouping, you've got to remember as well. For a long time, Hibbo was rubbish, wasn't he? He really grew in stature as he got older. He really did. He did. He, he became something of a cult, and I think he kind of grew with it. Yeah, he did. Um, it was only like the last last couple of seasons before Coleman came in as prominence, where like you know, Hibbo really came into his own and started becoming the best crosser of the ball in the league. Do you remember that? Do you remember that little space he had? Where yeah, he was just like whipping crosses, just whipping them the in. There you go. So, uh, so that's that debate will rage on, no doubt. I probably think it's going to be determined ultimately with how long Seamus Coleman stays at the club and if we do win anything. Just picture this: the ultimate fullback would be somebody with Seamus's like engine and would you say skill, skill, and engine's pace, uh, just up and down ability. I know what you're going to say. Yeah, coupled with Baines's uh, dead ball and crossing. Oh, I thought you were going to say... And couple, just general defence. ...coupled with Shaggy Stevens' hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. <laughs> That'd be good as well. 
Um, do you think... And Abel Xavier's beard. Do you think uh, Coleman uh, can, can also uh, kind of claim uh, a Shaggy nickname, which I don't think he was called Shaggy because he looked like Shaggy out of Scooby-Doo, was it? It was because of... Uh, or that. <laughs> Where are you going here? <laughs> we can't. We can't really. Uh, we can't really comment any further. We haven't run the risk of getting sued in a while, so don't go there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's the first question. Could that have been Shaggy. Well, I think I'm... it was as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's question one out the way. That was quite a safe one. We didn't really leave ourselves open to much criticism there, did we? Yeah, um, and then we moved on to the hotbed that was uh, the forthcoming Man City game and whether uh, there was any Evertonians out there who possibly didn't want to win the game due to the fact that it might hand the title to uh, our rivals uh, across the park. We see, uh, oh, before we go on to that, it's been on many other sites and I did actually put this question out there. It's like I didn't don't want to ask this question, but as budding journalists through podcast host. We're not journalists. <laughs> Budding journalists. We'll have a laugh over that, but let's face it, we're not. Yeah. So, so podcast hosts. I, so I thought... idiots who like the sound of their own voice. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, thought, I, thought it was, uh, I thought it was an important one to discuss. Yeah, um, and we've sort of... The, the, the question... Every, every sort of post we put up now seems to turn into a debate about well, that's this. good. So, you know, the first question we put out was just... Would we rather win on Saturday or not? That got 140 comments alone on Facebook uh, and a load more on Twitter. Uh, and then since then, um, I think I put a joke post up saying about uh, that Man City have now sold their full allocation of 40,000 tickets to Goodison. Uh, somebody that, thought that was serious though, didn't he? Somebody did, yeah. And went, surely you mean 4,000. 4, yeah. um, that got over 50 comments and nearly 300 likes. Um you know, and, and then every post virtually since then seems to have turned into a debate over who's if you know who's a true Evertonian because there's a big school of thought that if you want us to get beat in this game, uh, if you don't want us to win, you're not a true Evertonian. Well, we'll have our say on that after we uh, go through a few of people's opinions. Uh, it does seem to be kind of split down the middle. Uh, one on Twitter is Ashley Tiffin at the Jam 1964. Always go for a win, in my opinion. But if the Hammers beat Spurs on Saturday lunchtime, so obviously that, that would put to bed uh, Spurs' hopes of catching us, then might not be too arsed if City get the results against us. Just before we move on to another comment, you know, I don't really think that we'll get caught because I think we'll beat Hull hands down anyway last game of the season. So this whole thing about, you know, other teams catching us, I don't think really. But you've got to, to uh, Jenny, you've got to make sure for you know you got to take care of your own business first. You can't rely on. Yeah. So, um, give me another Twitter one because it's taken me ages to scroll back all the way through all these 140 uh, comments. At Blue Domash, who I know listens to the podcast, should always give 100 percent to win. But the thought of Stevie Me's slip losing the prem is like a siren song. <laughs> Lullabies to lose, and. It is, isn't it? it? You know, if we hadn't have lost against Southampton and they'd have beat Chelsea, then it might not have been as significant as a, of, of a not a, yeah, a dilemma for Blues, not a dilemma for Everton because Everton are going to go out and try and win the game. It's just fans who are, kind of, are wondering what they would prefer. Um, right. We've got the first one on Facebook was Carl Brindley. We go to the end. We beat City. We settle for placing. We win the Europa next season, then kick on. Uh, and next 
this time next year it's all ours Bobby's Blues rule he's getting a bit beyond himself there I, I tend to feel um, but uh, so he's advocating that you know who cares what happens with the, the red shite we just no, that's good. We, we win our own games uh, but, in direct comparison to that John Billing has said sorry but we're not getting fourth as for Spurs I haven't checked their running but if all we've got to play for is points tally I would gladly clap Barkley scoring a winner against Howard now it looks to me as if we were practicing scoring against Howard against Southampton last week, so maybe that's what that was. Imagine we'd have saved those two own goals for this game. The conspiracies would oh, we would have been we would have been right up in front of the FA, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, but well, unfortunately, we 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 didn't. <laughs> um, I mean, we will we will kind of talk about our own opinions on this. Uh, you know whether they're as black and white as some people's. Uh, I don't know, but you know we'll talk a little bit about more. Uh, a few people like Lee F- EFC Jones, you know EFC in his middle name, City to win. I mean, that, I think that says a lot. Uh, Tom Gossage on Facebook uh, alludes to something which I mentioned before when we talk about you know it's a bit different for the the people who have to live in the city rather than maybe some of the the external blues. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. Tom says. There's clearly two sides which all Blues have been split into. From what I've seen, the majority of Blues who would rather give City the point are Scousers and have to put up with the red shite rubbing it in the noses and have done since they were in primary school. This alone is a valid excuse as they don't want to give them the satisfaction of winning the title and then be able to say we helped them to do it. Uh, I know for a fact one of the worst things about losing to Liverpool or Liverpool winning the title is that I imagine all the dickheads through school and people I've worked with in the past just imagine their smug faces saying, ah, I told you we would win, lad. See, Stevie G is well better than Tim Howard. <laughs> so, uh, and then he goes on to say, you know, on the other hand, you know, as an Evertonian, he always wants to see us win. So it's a difficult one for him, but that's true, isn't it? I mean, oh my God. Do you really want to sit here for the next 30 years listening about smug copites going, remember when you won us the league? I just can't. No, I, 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 can't, I couldn't handle it. Um, Gary McNaughton would rather lose than give the red shite the title. Those who say otherwise are probably too young to remember having to put up with the crap from them lot in the 70s and 80s. As for the Europa League, could live without it. It's not financially important. Would rather strengthen this summer and go again for top four next season. Uh, Michael Pennyman uh, makes a point that a lot of people started to make uh, who were obviously getting a bit upset with this uh, question win those who want us to lose are not true blues uh, David Bradley uh, how can you ask such a silly question every game should be with the win attitude and no less hmm yeah Tony Moran if we need a point for anything worthwhile I would say play for the win but we will get Europe now, so I would settle for letting this game slip through the net if it means the shite don't parade that trophy down our streets. <laughs> Tony Lord was just before that one. Uh, this seems to this this opinion seemed to be uh, very much in the minority. Beat City, and I would like the other half to win the title for the ninety six. And right. I, it's not about the ninety six. I mean, you know, we, we you know, th- there's been fitting tributes. Uh, over the last few months and over the last year or so, and it's been it's, it's been amazing. This isn't about this is about uh, the league, you know. And it, it, I don't think it's a fitting tribute. I think it's it's 
yeah, it'd be disastrous for football if they won the league, and even more disastrous for Evertonians if they won the league. Was, yeah. uh, Robert Knowles, if you're a real blue and know what the other half are like, you really don't want them winning the league and banging on about it every year, like Istanbul all over again. Yeah, because we've never heard them say five times, have we? Oh, like, no, we never do. Um, I love Everton, but I will happily throw Saturday 5 now. Uh, Tracy on the wagon and McNally, I think we should put my nana in goal. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, Andy, Howie, we have to win. Three points is all that matters. Uh, not not what happens around us. Personally, for me, side footy, if the shite win the league and we were to get fourth place, imagine European night in town. It would be like the 80s all over again. Blues and reds at the pinnacle of English and European footy again. We play the other Manx. I, for one, do not want to get beat by the Chelsea wannabes. I, I think that's a very romantic, uh, romanticised view of the way it is. It's, it, it's not like the 80s. Football... You know what? Obviously, our name not bitter, it's just better. Football is a lot more bitter and twisted than it was in the eighties. There's a lot less violence and that going on. Only because they're horrible, though. Because they're obnoxious little shits. I mean, there'll be a lot of Evertonians. If I mention a Stour Bucharest flag in Anfield, there'll be a lot of Evertonians who know what that means. Uh, obviously, after Everton got banned from from Europe after the Heysel uh, Stadium disaster, you know, Liverpool fans, you know, made a mockery of it by putting flags in the cup uh, relating to uh, the team that went on to win the European Cup the following year because Everton would have been the favourites to win the European Cup that year in uh, in 86. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. I, I, we get called the bitter ones, but it's things like that that have opened up this, this divide in the city, isn't it? And, you know, this idea about... What a lovely city we are. Let's all go and watch each other's matches every other week. I think that stopped when football started uh, being so much, uh, so so much about the money, and with the with the birth of the Premier League and uh, you know the sky, the sky influx of cash and foreign players and stuff like that. Since then, don't want to harp on, don't want to be the victims because we know obviously they're the victims, but we have got the shitty end of the stick since then. I always think as well, you know, I think people look at it with the past like they do in anything and look at it like with rose tinted glasses yeah. you know like it was always better than the olden days uh, the, it kind of been a lovely warm sort of fuzzy feeling between Evertonians and Liverpoolians all the time when you look back at songs like Emily News is Dead and you know all the different bitter songs that, that went back in the 60s from, from both teams like so you know it, it's one of them isn't it um, there is another point of view I want to touch on uh, that comes into this debate as well uh, and that is that there's some Evertonians that actually don't want us to be in the Europa League because they say it is a waste of time. Uh, and Ian Bundy is one of those. He says, uh, I don't fancy the Europa League. I have no doubt we will win on Saturday. We have a good record against the top four of Goodison. Plus, it's the last home game of the season and I would like to clap the lads and Roberto off to a win rather than a defeat. Uh, I think the nail was in the coffin after the Palace game and hammered shut after that awful game at the weekend. I always want Everton to win, but I do agree about... Uh, the shit we'll hear for the next 50 years if the Reds win the league. The worst thing is the plastic Reds who, th- who still think our winner's playing and never go the game. Um, so he's saying, you know, he doesn't want to be in the Europa League. That's, you know, that's, that's always my kind of view on uh, people who have opinions on... I'm not saying everybody who goes the game uh, can't have an opinion, but people who don't watch the game, who suddenly... See the, see the result. Don't even know they were playing. See that they, they won because you know, or because they're fashionable to to follow or whatever, or because 
the dad bought them a Liverpool shirt when they were like two or something, and you know, ah, we won today, you've got beat. You know, the, the thing, the, what I respond to those people, whether it's right or wrong, is you have uh, you, uh, you have zero uh, knowledge of football or anything, so your opinion is completely invalid to me. And but they're the type of people who will be all over it, and suddenly they'll be there if they win the league. They'll be there at St George's Hall taking pictures of this open top bus, which they'll probably have anyway. If even if they finish runners up, won't they? Probably, yeah, they'll have an open top bus for anything, won't they? Um, I've got two more posts, and I'm going to finish on that. If, if you I've don't got, mind. I've got one. Do that you, know, I wanna... you do your one, and then I'll. I'll yeah, uh, Damien Duran, we need to win. No slip. Ups now. We can't ah, afford see what he's done there. We can't afford to let it slip like <laughs> others. Ah, like In it. fact, to get me up for it, I'll be listening to Slip Not and Born Slippy before I go to the game wearing my slip. Clever. I like it. Um, they were all in capitals, all those nice, slips. Okay. Uh, and hopefully go down the bookies and fill out a betting slip. Yeah, nice. Right, two posts I want to read out and then we'll we'll leave it there because this one could crack on for, forever. First off, Sean Unsworth. He starts off with City, City. We'll still get Europe if we finish six. Don't forget when we played Chelsea in the FA Cup final, they were cheering Chelsea, uh, even though they hate them so much. And don't forget who cheered Wimbledon and Coventry in our dark days. Fuck them. Don't want them to ever win the league. We've had a good season, win or lose Saturday. So let's lose and do their heads in. (laughs) And then. Kevin Prescott, for me, comes up with a piece of genius. Obviously, it's our last home game. We want to go out on a high note. We want it to be a bit of a party for the Evertonians. This is genius. I couldn't bear seeing the gobshites win the league. Imagine getting beat 3-1, but our consolation goal is scored by Tony Abbott in injury time. Do you reckon we could arrange that? What a day that would be. Come on, City. That would be leaving on a high. Imagine it. Yeah, um, we we could have we could have just carried on reading there, um, you know, over and over and over. But obviously we've got to finish it somewhere, and we've got to have our kind of say on it. It does seem a fifty-fifty split, doesn't it, with the general the general people? Yeah. Aren't what I want to just add, and I was going to post this on Facebook today, but I, I, I wanted to say on the podcast first is I don't think I'm not obviously my what my, my opinion doesn't matter on this, but I don't think it is right for people to say that you're any less of a blue. For wanting, you know, for wanting that result on Saturday, or for for the other way around, it's it's all about opinions, and I think you're entitled to have your own. And I don't think it makes you any less of blue if you if, if you if you don't want to uh, want us uh, want us to get the win on Saturday. I, you know, I'll wholeheartedly say that, you know, I love Everton, I love the Blues, and you know, but I hate Liverpool in equal proportions. Oh, I don't. I love Everton more than I hate Liverpool. I think it's equal. I honestly do. I hate them. I just hate them. And, you know, some people would say that's bitter, and it probably is, but that's just the way I feel. So What's that, 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 that famous kind of, famous Everton thing? We're not bitter, we just don't like you. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I have two... My, the, the two greatest pleasures for me in football are obviously seeing Everton win and seeing Liverpool lose. And, you know, if we were to get beat by City, more than likely... Uh, you know, Liverpool would lose in a, in a big way, so it's a very difficult one. I'm going to get crucified for this, but I think I want us to get beat. Do you know what I want? What I if if I had an ideal uh, scenario? Oh, the, 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 sorry, just before we move on, now we're all sort of saying 
we're all making out as if it's in it's, it's exactly. down to us. City, you've got to remember, City are going to come and they're going to be so up for it. You know, you look at the the, the picked apart Crystal Palace last weekend. Uh, we're on the f- five on a row. Yeah, yeah. I'm going into our match preview here, but you know. I, I think probably we might not have a choice in getting beat. I don't think exactly. we're going to go and lay down for them. You know, I, I, yeah. Well, I'll, I'm going to leave my co- my my comments on that side of it for our match preview. Um, what I want, though, more than anything at the weekend, is for um, us to win and Palace to beat Liverpool. That's what I want. You only wish, don't you, that the. Liverpool game was before our game. That would be, be amazing. And be well. I also want West Ham to win as well. That's what I want. If I could have a hat trick, if I could have three wishes, in fact, no, I wouldn't waste three wishes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you wish for them three things, and leave me my three wishes to get women and. <laughs> if I had three wishes, I just I'd use one on them getting absolutely annihilated on Monday, and then let the other ones come down to, my, my, to fate. My three wishes would be that we resign Billy Letton off. Uh, no. Anyway. anyway, yeah, so, so yeah, very interesting debate, rattling on and, and will rattle on probably even past what, the results. What, what I will say, just to, to kind of finish off on, on, on the debate side of it, before we go into the actual match preview, it will be, uh, it will be the most or the least hurting result if we did get beat by them on Saturday. You know, yeah. not, not saying that I, I, want, I want a City win. But it would hurt the least out of any other result if we kind of just threw in a towel straight away, or if we got beat by a last-minute own goal or whatever. It would hurt a lot less than if we were still chasing fourth and they weren't challenging. How many times can you say if Everton were getting beat when the full-time whistle went, you'd probably go, "Ah, well," and start laughing? Yeah, <laughs> just know, one of that's those. Probably what the main reaction. If, if we be. go out and we have the most amazing valiant effort, and you know we lose with the last kick of the game, and it's nine eight or something, it would be. And Hibbert scored eight. Yeah, it would be. It would. I think it would be an hour well. I'm disappointed Everton lost, but you know, yeah, it would definitely soften. I mean, it's so difficult because there is still a slim chance we can get fourth. I know. You know, if, I wish the Arsenal game was the early kickoff. Exactly. Then, yeah, all the, the way the fixtures have just transpired against us. But you know, I, in fact, I Ars- Arsenal's on Sunday, isn't it? Or, or is it? It might be. Wish. I think they've, they've kind of done. They've kind of done the TV listings now, so that they cover all the champion. Yeah. Uh, Champions League qualifying. Uh, you know, challenging games and also the championship games. Uh, so I think. Arsenal's likely to be on telly on Sunday. I, I can't confirm that, but um, so we won't I can't come. see them getting beat by you know whoever they've got left to play. Well, so. I can't. I can't, especially with Ramsey back now and that win on Monday. No, so no. Uh, there you go. So quite an interesting social media section. We try to steer clear of the, the more controversial side of things. So uh, you know. I think we deserve a little bit of a tip of the hat for that because there's a lot of. Uh... We were fairly controversial. Yeah, no, it's quite it, it, it's quite controversial in its very nature, but there is some real controversy surrounding, it, isn't it? So, anyway, uh, we'll leave that one there, and then as we've just covered half of our match preview, we'll recover it again in a second when we come back. It's not like us to be repetitive, is it? It's not like us to be repetitive, is it? It's not like us to be repetitive, is it? I'm Kevin Cheedy, and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. Okay, so it's time to look ahead at our upcoming game this weekend, and it is the visit of Manchester City to Goodison Park. You forgot to say hello to our... I'm getting there. Hello to our YouTube listeners. 
Uh, and also, hello to anyone who's watching on uh, Blue Heart, Blue Solar. We're going to start running the videos of our uh, previews from yeah. this week. We're going to be all over the place, aren't we? Um, first, of, first of all, before we take a look ahead to that game, we're going to take a look back to two contrasting games. First of all, uh, the City home game from last season, which uh, had us cheering a fair bit. It did, yeah. Um, we're obviously going to try and do a bit more of a professional job on our preview this week. Oh yeah, we've uh, got to impress our new our new kind of following. So, well, there is that, and also because we want to make it sound like we don't just want to get beat. <laughs> yeah. So, so there you go. So um, we don't. We don't. Uh, the home game last season was uh, March. It was towards the end of the back end of the season again, wasn't it? Uh, full out of Goodison. Yeah, City was still chasing uh, the second uh, successive league title. And from what I remember, this uh, this was quite a crucial game in the way the season and, uh, ended up. Yeah, I remember as well that we were a bit worried because Jan Mucha was in goal. Yeah, it is a worrying thing, Jan Mucha being in goal. So, there you go. Um, and it turned out to be a good day for the Blues. We won 2-0. Yeah, well, it started off quite brightly because... Uh, uh, do you remember that Kev- Kevin Rallas thumped? It, it seemed to be a corner that players were coming out, ball was played back in, and he thumped the ball into the top corner. But unfortunately, it looked like he was wrongly uh, awarded offside as well. I think he was wrong from memory. I think he was wrongly awarded offside, uh, but a good finish. Uh, and then that, but we didn't have to wait long to, to take the lead after that. An even better finish from captain of the day, uh, Leon Osman. Absolute world he wasn't there, if you yeah. remember the goal. Yeah, I think he. Most people will remember this goal. It's, uh, the ball came across about 30 yards out and he swung... Coleman it. knocked it into him, I think, from the right-hand side. Yeah, nice work from Coleman. Uh, and he swung his left foot at it, outside of the foot. And Joe Hart, possibly... Rooted. Possibly best goalkeeper in the league. Yeah. Arguably, arguably for the past couple of... Best English goalkeeper. Best English goalkeeper. Didn't even move. Uh, and it just swung into the top corner. And uh, Ozzy celebrated, as did we. Uh, yeah, we got Pienaar sent off after about an hour, which uh, so it was a bit back to the wall. After it was that. a little bit. They had an awful lot of pressure. I think Tevez was still uh, was terrorising. Uh, I think David Silva possibly. Uh, it seems like Tevez has been gone from them for a does. lot longer than twelve. It months, really does, it? yeah. Um, unless we're, we're just thinking about the season before. No, we're not. No. Um, and uh, P- as you say, Pienaar gets got sent off. Uh, we had a couple of chances. One from a corner. And then uh, what we'll we remember quite famously, Jelovic uh, with a break. Uh, I think Jelovic and Fellaini were on the break. And Jelovic cut inside and unleashed uh, a top uh, bound for who knows where before it took a deflection. And, and looped over Jawart and, and dropped in. And Jelovic and Coleman went and had a bit of man love in the corner with Jelovic's top off. I think where we sit in the Gladys Street... That shot might have been heading towards us before it hit collar off and looped over Joe Hart. I was Hart. getting ready to head that back. <laughs> yeah, I was getting to hide behind you. Um, so that was uh, a brighter result, 2-0. And we have, you if know... If you think about it over the last few years, we've always had a good record against City at home, haven't we? There was that, remember that game, the famous game where Fellaini did that? Uh, just what I was thinking of, was against the, Bellamy. the Marseille turn where he just pirouetted uh, a, 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 around Onionhead, as, you, as you affectionately known. Uh, yeah, Onionhead, Craig Bellamy, yeah, that was, uh, that was a night game now under the lights, wasn't it? With that great was, atmosphere that, that was, we remember. completely played them off the park and that move typified it. Uh, so that was a good one to look back at. Where we've had a good, uh, you know, record at Goodison, uh, we can't really say the same for the Etihad, can we? We, I mean, we both you and I were there earlier this season, went away to City, 
uh, and seeing us get beat 3-1. Was that our first, that was our first defeat this season, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. Um, and, you know, we went in there quite hopeful. And uh, we actually took the lead with a um, little, I think it was a bit of a punt-up field. And it was just in the, in the uh, oh no, it wasn't, it was a great ball up from Jagielka. Lukaku controlled it well. And, uh, you know, managed to beat Joe Hart. Put us 1-0 up. And we were thinking, uh, you know, we, we, we might be able to pinch something here. We might have a chance here. I remember that day, I, I've talked about this on a podcast before, but uh, Negredo that day was brilliant, wasn't he? Terrorised us and... I, I think for a long time I said it was the best opposition performance I'd seen against us, an individual performance all season. Oh, I think David, back to it now, it probably still is. David Silva got man of the match, I think, because he was just pulling the strings but didn't really have that much of an impact as uh, as Negredo. You know, he didn't get on a score sheet, basically. Um but Negredo and Aguero it was like when they were in their in their in the for, in the, you know their fine form at the start of the season. He's held off quite a bit lately, Negredo. Hasn't yeah, he? well, yeah, Aguero Aguero went off injured uh, for a little while um, since then, and I don't think Negredo's kind of recaptured that form. I, I think I, I don't want to say it because I don't want to jinx us, but he hasn't scored in a in, in, in as consistently. Uh, let's just say. Um, you sure you don't want to jinx us? <laughs> yeah, I don't, that's why I didn't want to say in like 18 games or whatever, like Cameron Jerome, a commentator's case. Yeah, or, if Cameron Jerome can score past us, then I'm sure Sergio Aguero can. Not that I'm advocating that. Yeah, no. Uh, so, obviously, uh, listeners to the whole podcast will know that we've had quite a debate on, you know, who <laughs> whether we want to win. But, you know, that's that was a conversation for another time. Um, will, will we win is, 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 is what we're going to talk about now uh, Looking at league form Obviously City currently lie in third In the, the Premier League On 77 points So 8 points ahead of the Blues uh, But they have got a game in hand They've only played 35 uh, And they're 3 points off being top of the league At the moment with a much superior goal difference To current leaders uh, The Gobshite So you know Massive game for City uh, not so massive game for Everton after the recent defeat to. Unfortunately, the Southampton game has kind of made it that so, Palace. isn't it? Yeah, uh, um, so it's still. I mean, it, potentially the way this season has gone, you couldn't rule it out, could you? You can virtually rule it out, but you can't rule it out. Look at Everton's last four games: Arsenal at home destroyed them. We then dipped to Palace, Man United at home. We destroyed them even more than the um, than the Arsenal game, despite only being a two 0 not a three 0 We then dipped to Southampton, so on current form, we're going to destroy Man City and then get beat away a whole on the last game of the season. Do you know what that would be? That would be Everton. Everton. That would. That would be Everton through and through. So, you know, there's, a, there's it's such a crazy game. There's so many factors going into it. Aside from all the Liverpool stuff. Uh, just the way our form has been so up and down recently, um, you know the fact that Gareth Barry's ineligible to play in this game is going to be a big loss in central midfield. Uh, you know, I think we were talking a few weeks back. You know, maybe we see Stone step up, but we haven't had the luxury of being able to try that since after he had a little sort of semi cameo there. Um, and the way we are at centre half at the moment with injuries, we can't really afford to, to move Stones around. So. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who comes in and plays it. Well, yeah, let's, let's talk about Ryan that. Ledson, do you think? No. Let's go from back to front. We know how it's going to play. We know that... No, no well, we don't. We know There's that. so much talk at the moment, last two days, about Joel's getting the game. No chance. That, that's, that's... No, that's, that, that's, people, that's people who want City to take the points to stop Liverpool win. That's their wishful thinking. 
I don't know, you know, no. Tim Howard is guaranteed to be going to the World Cup. Maybe you don't want him getting injured now. No. Do, do you rest him until no. for the World Cup? Not a chance. Give Joel a couple of games to prove no. himself? No way. I would. <laughs> no. Um, so, I think Tim Howard's going to play. Coleman's going to play. No, I think Hibbert will play. No. Coleman's going to play. Um, centre, the centre-back parent, now here's where there's been some debate, because Jagielka has been past fit. Uh, if he's 100% fit, I think he's going to play. If he's 90% you can't fit... risk him. You can't risk well, him at this stage of the season. Right, OK. What's a risk if he's 100% fit? A risk is, you know, if he's 100% fit, a risk is getting out of bed. You you can't, you know, you can't go like that. You can't think like that. It's, it's professional football. My back five, I honestly think the back five will be Robles in goal. And then I think it'll be Hibbe, Alcaraz... Brown and Garbus. Not a chance. I think it might happen, mate. I no, I think you're just playing devil's advocate here and you just. No, uh, I'm not that, that. If I was picking a team, that's what team I pick. Right, okay. But obviously, Roberto's picking a team, so let's see what he goes Okay, with. So, so in centre, central midfield, sorry, Baines, we didn't discuss Baines. Baines is meant to be uh, past fit as well, so he's meant to come back in at left see, back. See, the other option is that. Garber plays at left back and Baines plays holding centre midfield and so, so goes into the body role. So that was discussed earlier on the season, possibly him having the ability to play in that role. Again, I can't see that. I think he's, he's just going to play left back. I, I think that I, I think that is a possibility as well. Uh, I think it's more likely that Osman or Barkley are going to play in that body role. Um, which one? I, see, they tried Barry in that role, uh, Barkley in that role, and I don't think it came off. He, he just doesn't. I think he can kind of get caught in possession that deep in the field, whereas you know he can make more of an impact behind the striker. I wouldn't risk him there. I think Osman would be the safer bet. You'd lose something out of Barry's game, but Osman does do a lot of like interceptions and picks off a lot of loose balls. So, well, there's obviously a little bit of you know something in the air, isn't there? Because around the striking position in, in particular, it's something we forgot to mention in the news before, but. Obviously, Velios has been recalled this week. and I think that is less of the impact he's made at Blackpool and more of our need to have an attacking option on the bench. But if you look at our bench last week with Ledson, Browning and Garbutt on there and Hibbert, so, you know, you had a full-back four on the bench and that's unheard of in the Premier League. Uh, Midfield-wise, if I was picking the team, I'd go for Billy Lettinoff on the left, Edan Tal, Alex and Yarko. And uh, Van der Meijer on the right. That's what that's the, the four. So you're throwing this game then? No, I'm, I'm putting out a, a fairly strong side. Yeah, uh, Brett Angel and Stuart Barlow up front. <laughs> um, seriously though, no. In all honesty, all joking aside. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, Roberto is a very. He's uh, got a lot of integrity. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't want Everton to lose, uh, and he's going to go out to. Um, feel the strongest team as he sees he can um, I don't think we'll see Jagielka I really don't and that's my honest opinion I think there's more chance of probably seeing this than Jagielka um, so uh, it, it'll be interesting won't it but that if there was ever a game where you wanted Barry and McCarthy to be together this would be it because obviously you've got the power coming through the mid- midfield of Torre uh, you know we've got the you've got the cleverness of the likes of Navas and, and, and Silva who can cause any midfield problem. Uh, and Nasby likes to arrive late as well, so you need your holding midfielders to obviously combat their very creative midfield, I think. Yeah. Um, the other kind of debate was uh, with Morales going off injured in the, uh, you know, in the, in the Man U game, 
Delafeu came in for him in a Southampton game and didn't really do much to impress. So does McGeady get the nod this time? Game plan wise, you'd think City are gonna are obviously gonna come and have to have a major go at us. So you would think our ideal game plan would be to hit them on the counter attack, which Morales would be a big miss there, wouldn't it? Because he's great at that so play. That plays into the hands of Delafeu, doesn't it? At the moment, you know, where the one who's got pace really to 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 hit them on the counter. So. Um, I think you'll probably see Delafeu start. I think you'll probably see Barkley start, um, and then Lukaku up top. Maybe Naismith on the other side, just to sort of be able to to utilise the counter. I think Naismith will keep his place just through lack of numbers now, isn't it? Yeah, I think so do I. Yeah, I think you know that that sense. I think it's got to be Osman or or Barkley in that body position. I, I can't see a way around it other than Baines. I can't see him doing that for a game. You know, sorry, not a game of this size, but opponents this good. I must admit, the one thing I'm looking forward to the most all weekend is seeing our team sheet. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Imagine, uh, imagine the, uh, Joel is in goal. It, you know, the murmurs will be that we have thrown this game big time. Hibbert at centre half. So, uh, you know, looking at the city side of things, though, I think the you know, no, do we have to? We're going to have to, yeah. Um, they're pretty, they look pretty much full strength at the moment, really. Aguero has just come back. There's a few little... I don't think he's 100% fit, which is always a little bit of a bonus, but even he's awesome even at 80% fit, isn't he? Let's face it, he's better than... I think if he hadn't got injured, you know, we probably, he, he would have pushed a little bit harder for that Player of the Year award. And I think just through the fact that he's just more, more of a professional and less of a cheating bastard, I think he might have taken it. Yeah. I mean, and even if Aguero's not under fit, Negredo and Dzeko are now Dzeko, uh, and you've got Jovetic, who was, was a top striker before he came to City and hasn't really had a sniff, so, he, you know, they're not short, are they? Uh, no, so, um, so it's going to be a very difficult game for the Blues. Um, I don't think we're going to get anything out of the game. Uh, my man to watch, as far as City goes, is... Uh, I'm going to go for Navas, Um if there's, w- probably, there's probably some, you know, more obvious choices, i.e., you know, Torre, uh, Aguero, as we've said. But the thing with, with Navas is he's got blistering pace, blistering pace. And if, if, for instance, Baines doesn't make it after that knock the other day, uh, we could have somebody a bit less experienced at left back, and he could get caused real problems by Navas. I think for the same kind of problem, just because of the team selection, I think it's going to be Torre. Torre's going to dominate the game with uh, Barry not being in there. How oh, would he be in McCarthy's ass pocket all game? He's going to have to have a big ass pocket to control all of that midfield. It's true, yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's it. I don't. I think it'll be a City win, uh, but I think it'll be a very soft City win to take on the chin for us Blues. Yeah, uh, we had a long discussion about it before on the, uh, you know, in our social media section, which we do on the podcast for just for, for the YouTube and uh, Blue Heart Blue Soul uh, listeners. Uh, and uh, this, out of all Everton defeats, I think would be the. I mean, nobody wants Everton to get beat, really. I mean, I think it's just that they don't want Liverpool to win the league. Uh, so I think this would soften that would soften the blow that knowledge that it would might deny them a little bit. Uh, out of any other result and as we just said before it might be if we get beat and it's a 9-8 and we lose with the last kick of the game or whatever it might just be one of those ah well it's just one of those mate isn't it it is so so there you go um, that's our preview um, it's going to be a very interesting weekend isn't it and not, it's, it's a late kick just, off as well isn't it so it should be quite buzzing so yeah it should be a party day obviously 
we're expecting, uh, you know, Roberto to lead his first lap of honour around the Goodison pitch as is customary after the last Regardless time. of that result, you know, it's been a fantastic season for us. We broke our uh, points tally hall uh, for, since the Premier League began. Um, you know, the, the, the amount of buzz that has generated around the club, the School of Science returning... Uh, I think no matter what, even if we get absolutely trounced at the weekend, we should remember that this is uh, the start of something special. It uh, does feel like that, doesn't it? It really, really does. does feel like a new a new dawn, a new era. Um, you know, and even though we had we were a bit disappointed about maybe not finishing in the top four now, you know, just the fact that we were up there right until the very tail end of the city uh, shows that we have moved on from the last couple of seasons. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting week. Do you know what? I am a bit gutted about that. There's only one week of the season left after this. I know. That's. I mean, we've got the World Cup to look forward to, but it's going to be silly o'clock kickoff times, isn't it? Which is disappointing. But we'll have plenty of blues to be cheering on. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I want to start turning the podcast through the World Cup into the Costa Rica podcast. Yeah, just yeah. for our Brian. Just for Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds. Um, so yeah, that's it from from us again for another week. Uh, I want to say thanks. To everyone who listens on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, uh, and also on uh, now on Blue Heart, Blue Soul, anywhere um, really, anywhere, and then just 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 keep spreading the We'd word for us. Appreciate it. Mars bars, if we could, yeah. Um, keep spreading the word for us. Tell your mates. I know we we, we do get quite a, a bit of nice feedback, so it, it's always nice. Just but the, the biggest thing you can do for us, you know, rather than massaging our egos, is tell your mates about it and like try and get them involved as well. Because you know, more listeners means that we we get more more time to talk about it. And that so, I've got a feeling that next week's podcast, a Terry feeling, a Terry feeling that next week's podcast is going to be quite amusing. Either way, somehow I'm already. I want to do on the throw that out. It there. could be heartbreaking. No, don't. Anyway, catch you next week. Next week, blues. Hopefully, uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs>